Friday nights at 9 p.m. It's time to sit back, relax, and play conspiracy bingo with Echoplex Media. We've curated the best conspiracy theorists the internet has to offer and turned it into a live bingo game you can play for free with absolutely no prizes but bragging rights. You won't find a live stream like this anywhere else, and that's probably better for everyone else's mental health. Tune in every Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration.
everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Media. Simulcasting to other places, but don't watch in those other places. Those other places suck. Um, you can support this project at patreon.com slash echoplex or at eplex.store by signing up for a membership. And um, I don't know, I'm Producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder, and that's it. And uh, this is The Councilman. You can find me on X slash Twitter slash something at T-H-E underscore Councilman. And uh, most recently, you can find me in bed because dude had the COVID. But I'm back, baby. I'm ready to roll, Producer Dave. We got a lot to discuss tonight. It's going to be fun. We do. We do. There's a bit of, um, you know, what's really crazy is uh, since I got a, a DMX lights that are wireless, whenever it's like cloudy or like sort of threatening to rain it seems like there's some electrical interference and it fucking makes my lights flash a little bit (laughs) wild well i I hopefully it's not strobing and and causing any epileptic seizures out there for folks but if you do suffer from seizures maybe don't tune into twitch tonight maybe listen to the podcast just for your own personal safety but hey if if you're living dangerously why not just go for it they also have like eight different channels i can put them on so maybe i'll try a different different channel (laughs) going forward Are are we on facebook live we are on Facebook Live. Isn't that unfortunate? Hi, Hi Mark. Good to see you. Hope, hope you're watching. The chat's blaming the uh, interference in my and my lighting actually on the fucking chemtrails. That's probably the case. That's absolutely true. I mean, you are wearing your tinfoil hat, but I guess you'd probably have to tinfoil the whole studio. You know, it'd be Maybe. crazy. It's after all the time and energy I spent, like trying to make sure that everything was set up right. I just go back to fucking cables for my lights. <laughs> Well, you've always told me cables are the best way to go. It's the most reliable thing, right? Wireless is not necessarily the thing. Yeah. But maybe but these, for lights. This isn't exactly a lot of bandwidth here. <laughs> it's True. Like, it's like it's like three channels and a, a one through like 128 or something as the so it's not it's not a, anyway, that's that's not we're not here to talk about my lighting. And if you're listening to the podcast, then that is like absolutely not interesting to you at all. Well, we'll um, talk about home improvement on the next down ballot. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So what do we got what do we got for leading off? Um, I don't know if you've heard, Producer Dave, but cops are racist, even in San Jose. Even, even, even if one of them's like somebody's uncle. Correct, correct. Um, but it looks like uh, even his uncle wasn't able to save him from uh, from being ousted from the force. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll find out a little more from KPIX. Tonight, a racist text scandal uncovered within the San Jose Police Department. An officer who was being investigated after a high-profile shooting allegedly sent hateful texts about black people. Now, it all stems from a shooting last year inside La Victoria Taqueria. Kawan Green had disarmed a gunman inside and was backing out with the gun when Officer Mark McNamara shot him four times. Green is suing the city. San Jose police say a separate criminal investigation into one of its officers revealed that McNamara had exchanged racist texts with another officer, which included referring to Green using the N-word and other disparaging statements about black people. McNamara, who has been with the force for six years, has resigned, and the other officer he was texting with is now on leave. Police Chief Anthony Mata said in a statement, there is zero tolerance for racial bias in the department. We asked <laughs> them this evening to talk to us on camera, but they declined. San Jose's mayor did speak with us tonight, though, and he said that the Ooh. city would work to make sure all employees are held accountable. I speak with our police chief almost daily. We've, we've been in discussion, obviously, the last day and a half on, on this matter and will continue to be. And as you know, there there is an ongoing investigation going on. And if additional information comes to light, 
we're going to do exactly what the chief did today, which is release that information to the public in the spirit of full transparency as soon as we are legally allowed to. Reverend Jethro Moore II of the San Jose chapter of the NAACP says he's had ongoing talks with the city's police chief about how to make sure the black community in San Jose feels safe. In my conversations I'll be having with Chief Mata in the coming days uh, is how we can uh, vet our officers to assure the community that we wish he had a better camera. I want to see that jacket. That looks great. He actually moved out of the area, so he's doing this remotely. I think he moved to the Midwest. That's a member of the San Jose, Santa Clara County Police Departments. The union that represents San Jose cops also issued a statement that said, in part, this behavior is unacceptable and we condemn it in the strongest possible terms. So oh, shooting guys in the nuts is cool. I, <laughs> yeah. I remember um, when we covered this story initially and I just thought it like totally sucked because the dude like went fucking full commando in there and fucking like took a gun from somebody that was like clearly about to cause real fucking trouble inside. I believe it was La Vic, right? Yep. Yeah, um, I don't know if that was the officer in question who disarmed the, the fool, but um, there, no, no, not we, the officer. No, it was a civilian. Oh, sorry. Yes, correct. Yeah, and I, I remember when we did cover this originally, uh, and we thought there were some some shenanigans going on here, um, and it was pretty clear there were. Now, um, so yeah, it all comes it all comes back and comes home to roost. Un- uh, unfortunately well, for what Officer I'm, McNamara, but what I'm hearing here is that this guy <laughs> came out of the place with a gun. I mean, I don't know what you're. You know, I mean, you're. No, you know, your adrenaline's pumping in this situation. You don't think that when you get the gun out the building, right, which is what the guy was clearly doing. He was like, it was pointed up and away from everybody in the video. He was backing out, too. He, I remember he was backing out the door of Lavik, right. the, the guy who had, who had dispossessed the person of the gun and was like, hey, I'm coming out, you know, and they, they fucking shot him. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is like, that's like the, you don't expect that to happen because you, you just did like, I'm sorry, like, you just did a very difficult and a very fucking scary thing. Like, I don't yes. care. I don't care. Like how, you know, maybe I don't, I don't remember if that, maybe the guy was ex military, but I don't remember for sure. But even so you just did a very scary thing. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe you should toss the gun, but like the, the idea that, I don't know, you just, the idea that the cop just started shooting with before, like really truly assessing the situation and then afterward, because he didn't know who the guy was before, afterward, he was called the guy fucking the Edward in fucking texts. And it's yes. like, dude, you just shot an innocent person. And now you're like calling him the N-word. And like, what the f- Like, I mean, well, cop, that's above and beyond the usual bullshittery from the cops. Sure. I mean, it's just, it's so obvious, right? Like this, this is stuff we all assume and we think we know, but you know, to see it so blatantly and, and so clear cut, right? Is this, it's like, well, why did he do that? Right. Why did the cop pull the trigger? Well, <laughs> there's obviously some motivation there, um, based on his personal preferences of skin color. So, um, yeah, this is, a not, not pleasant news. Um, it shouldn't come as any shock. Um, and I would love to hear, uh, Jeff Moore and his big buttons, um, that was a fancy shirt, uh, say more about it and, and have a, have a word or two with, I'd love to be able to fly on the wall for his conversation with chief Mata, but nor with the mayor. But yeah, this is this is unacceptable. But it's it's not as though we know that this this is not where it ends, right? Um, it it, it go, it's pervasive throughout law enforcement, and yes, even in Tony Progressive San Jose, right? Um, maybe even more so here because we are kind of a backwoods, uh, you know, city when it comes down to it, and we just let this perpetuate, right? I mean, the the guys, some of the guys who were responsible for the most egregious shit during the George Floyd protest are still on the force. 
That guy, Jared Ewan, is still on the force. So, you know, I, I don't understand how anyone can be surprised or shocked by this. The mayor shouldn't be shocked. He's a, you know, he's a bootlicker. He, he, he's been around this enough to know. Um, so he's been around long enough, you know, three years at council too, to know what's going on. So yeah, it's, it's incredibly disappointing and heads are going to roll, but it's just, it's just the tip of the iceberg as we all know. And I know for, for a fact, just knowing, knowing officers who are, um, who I consider to be decent, you know, people, um, I've already heard from them anecdotally that, that there are some serious problems, uh, lurking just below the surface in SJPD and eventually it's all going to come out and we could have an antioch situation on our hands. Yeah, it's, I just, I mean, even, even just from an optics perspective, after you're the cop who shoots the guy who saved the day as he was backing out of the, shot the guy like in the back too. Like, I mean, this isn't the wild west, right? Sometimes if in, you know, this ain't the wild west, it's not like, oh, partner, don't never shoot nobody in the back, but it's like the, the, just the the dude was, and then, then you're like on text being like that. And oh, you, you motherfucker. Oh no, the worst fucking dude in the world, man. Yeah, and just and just I mean, from his perspective, like his if he has an attorney, man, his attorney's probably pulling his or his or her hair out. But like, why would you? Why? Why would you put that in writing ever in any format? Like, you can't trust. You know, well, you forget trust. You just shouldn't put that in writing. You shouldn't have those thoughts. But you should definitely shouldn't put it in writing if you're a cop who's been reasonably accused of excessive force or shooting a black person like probably not a good idea to put it out there that you don't like black people because because at, at that point this goes beyond now right like if he gets if uh, if he does have to go to trial for this or, or gets uh charged with some sort of excessive force here it can also be probably up to a hate crime depending on how they want to handle it I, I would imagine and that comes with even larger um penalties right or even um, even without the enhancement, just like there's some uh, latitude at sentencing, yes. that that if 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 you know this person's convicted of some kind of um, homicide, manslaughter, something like that, there's some latitude at sentencing. But uh, you know, this sort of has sort of has the uh, wrong impact. Like, like I don't care. Like, if you're a cop, I say run your mouth all you want after you commit a crime because you, you should fuck you should dig you should dig your hole as dig as deep as possible. But like just the idea that anybody after like they are, you know, accused of a crime or in this case, you know, of a p- police like brutality, the idea that they talk about it at all to anybody but their lawyer is fucking crazy too. It is. It is. It's not advisable. But again, they're not hiring the best and brightest these days, right? They're, they're cutting corners. They're hiring whoever will take the job and stay, right? They, they really don't have very high standards right now, especially in SJPD. Um, we're going to find out more about SF in a second, but it's, it's just, again, it's pervasive. We know it. And there's gonna got to be a reckoning at some point. Someone's got to grow some political balls and and really um, crack some heads um, and, and and turn this thing around. But it's it's systemic. It's something that has to ha- it's going to have to change over many years and <clears throat> generations, even because uh, it's taken generations to get this bad right in the first place. So, or maybe the whole profession was doomed to begin with, right? And 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 fraught with uh, with this kind of potential for corruption and and uh, misuse mistreatment well possibly in the united states but uh when i was checking into something else i was looking at the requirements for other countries like other like um rich countries to be a police officer and um that's a fairly professional professionalized job in other like there's countries where you have to have a four-year degree and some countries where it has to be like in a related field of some sort like criminology or forensics or something like that Mm -hmm. and like and like here, just any cowboy without a criminal record who can pass the physical fitness test or whatever can be a cop. 
Yeah, they've they've even they've lightened the standards too. I mean, it used to be that San Jose had the standard that you had to have a, a four year degree. Um, I forget there were some a few other stipulations, right? But now it's like, can you get through the academy and not like just not fall down or <laughs> flunk out or um, or leave for another city where they they might pay you better um, to do less work? You know, so they'll take anybody at this point, and it's, that's that's a real dangerous place to be in, right? If if you know they say they need these boots on the ground to keep the community safe. How safe are we really getting if we have the lowest common denominator walking around with a gun? And you not know, even I'm, that, like people hear this and maybe people who have uh, like a, like a skewed idea of what a safe and lawful society is might be inclined right. to apply for the job specifically to impose that skewed idea of what a safe and lawful society could be. And that's, I think part of the problem actually, is I think this yes. profession does attract those people. It, like there's no, there's no method by which there's no method by which they're weeded out. In fact, yeah. my understanding is that this, the, 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 at least the culture within most police departments rewards those kinds of people and the kinds of people maybe who might join under false pretense thinking that they can, you know, fairly apply the law and, you know, be kind to people and, you know, not, not, not empty their whole clip into somebody. Those people actually get filtered out by the system. The, the right. other, the other people in that system don't like those people, the do-gooders right. or whatever. Correct. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a training day situation for sure. And, um, you know, we all love it if, if all the cops were Ethan Hawke, but more than likely they're mostly Denzel's much love to Denzel. Um, anyway, well, we're, uh, moving right along. If we, if we can, cause we got a big docket to, to get through tonight to winners at losers, but we're going to stick with the police theme and, uh, there are competing. Well, there's there's a plan to staff up F SFPD because uh, apparently they're short officers too, according to their numbers. Um, but looks like a couple of the supervisors don't necessarily agree on how to fund it. So we're going to find out more about a little squabble that's happening um, over police funding in San Francisco. Our other headlines this evening, city leaders are in a heated battle in San Francisco over funding for SFPD. The original author of this funding plan says... He can't support it anymore after it was amended today because it will likely require new tax dollars. So what now? Here's NBC Bay Area's Tom Jensen. This is a dispute that involves some of the supervisors and the mayor over how San Francisco should spend existing dollars to fund public safety and whether taxpayers should be asked to spend more for police. And it got personal on social media today. San Francisco needs about 400 new police officers to be fully staffed, but filling those vacancies has been a challenge. District 6 Supervisor Matt Dorsey introduced a plan to return to a staffing mandate requiring the city to have just shy of 2,100 officers. Well, I proposed a charter amendment that would enable voters to prioritize their existing tax dollars to solve over a period of five years our police staffing crisis. With crime on the rise and businesses and consumers leaving the city because of it, City Hall has been scrambling for solutions. And Dorsey said his plan would pay for a fully staffed police department without new taxes. Unfortunately, some of my colleagues in City Hall feel like, no, we're not going to give voters that right. We're going to make sure that the only way they can do this is to pay us more taxes. And when his plan was amended in the Rules Committee to include new taxes as a possible funding source, Dorsey took to social media and tweeted, as expected, Supervisor Asha Safai's cop tax scheme was voted out of committee today. He went on to say, this hijacked SFPD staffing measure aims to manipulate voters' fears about public 
public safety into support for new taxes. Don't buy it. And I think it's a little absurd to tell people that they have to pay more taxes, extra dollars, um, just to have the basics of government. We don't have to create a new tax for this. That's, that's incorrect. District 11 Supervisor Asha Safai says voters will ultimately decide in March how to fully fund police, and the money could come from a variety of sources, not necessarily just a new tax. But he said Dorsey's plan was fiscally irresponsible because it didn't have a dedicated funding source. And if you take it from one thing, you're hurting something else. So the idea is, we're for this. I'm for 100% for uh, increasing our minimum police staffing. Um, but I want to do it in a fiscally responsible way. And he took a jab at Dorsey, saying he lacks the experience needed to understand the budgeting process. I think it takes a little time, again, for people to understand the process. Um, at the end of the day, this is not a cop tax. Meanwhile, Supervisor Dorsey says he's not giving up on his minimum police staffing efforts, and he may take it to voters in the form of a ballot measure in November 2024. In San Francisco, Tom Jensen, NBC, Bay Area News. So this sounds like... So, first of all, it said that... Now, I'd have to take a look at it, but what, what I got is that one of the potential future funding sources could be an increase in taxes of some sort. Correct. And that's the only thing I think would actually have to go to the ballot. I don't know that you have to go to the ballot for just basic budgetary decisions like what Dorsey's proposing if you're just shifting dollars around. That's not, that's not a ballot kind of a proposition that's really just you do your fucking job supervisors that's your fuck that's what we elect you to do um not surprising at all that matt dorsey wants to you know take rob uh, peter to pay paul and take money from like whatever parks or something else to to pay more cops um he's a former cop uh so that makes a lot of sense um and i'm guessing and, uh, he doesn't represent the castro or south of market or uh actually i believe it he does represent so he, he was in the uh, same district that matt haney was in before he got the uh the appointment by london breed to represent i don't think he's actually been elected yet um so i'm more than likely he's going to get voted out whenever he's on the ballot um but for now um he's there but yeah, i think it's tenderloin soma um that kind of area uh so really yeah, yeah he's gonna yeah. get voted out yeah, no, more more than likely, I think he knows it too. But so he's trying. It sounded, his best it sounded to like he was sounded like he was from Shasta County. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> he could be, he could be relying on like people just being burnt out on taxes, and he's trying to like you know to to go that way. There's also a very substantial contingent in San Francisco. It looks like that are law and order kind of voters. Um, London Breed is counting on them. The new uh, DA Brooke Jenkins is certainly going to be counting on them. Um, so, you know, they've, they've doubled down. This is, this is certainly where that, where they're at. Um, but yeah, super, uh, supervisor, uh, I'll is right that, you know, if you, if, if you want to, you know, pay more up, pay officers more or pay, put more into the police department, you got to take it from somewhere. So where is it coming from? Um, and honestly, like this is another fine example. I think of, we talk a lot about how San Jose is a relatively safe city, right? That, and, and, and relatively suburban and, and placid city. And it's exemplified by the fact that San, San Jose has something in the neighborhood of 1,100 officers um, and 900 someone sworn at any given time. They want it, and their goal is to get to 1,400, right? For a city of a million people and many, many, many more square miles than San Francisco. So three, like 300,000 more people and many more square miles to cover than San Francisco. And yet San Francisco says their, their uh, you know, adequate staffing level is 2,100. Um, so <laughs> I, I think that, uh, again, there's more evidence that San Jose, you know, gets, gets by, uh, with a lot more safety, with a lot less cops. Um, maybe well, it's because there's less cops. 
that we're safer who knows but it's also because we're just a safer community in general um it, there's also like some problem with the way we count too because any given yeah. any given uh, you know day in san francisco there's a lot more than the population of san francisco there because people commute there for work at night people Very commute true. there people go there for entertainment on the weekend Very people true. go there for like you know i guess entertainment so that that population number doesn't really tell the whole story as to how many people are in San Francisco at any given time. That's very true. It fluctuates too. San Jose actually exports about seventy thousand workers every day out of that um, uh, out of the city um, who work somewhere else. But they all come back home at night, right? And um, I would argue most crime happens at night. But either way, um, it, regardless, fourteen hundred versus twelve hundred is twenty one hundred is a pretty stark um, contrast. Uh, so. We'll see who wins out in this in this battle. I'm sure it's going to rage on and on. It's going to be a huge election issue in March. It'll be a huge election issue in November. Um, so we'll see where it goes. But it's um, it's just interesting that we're talking about you know how to fund more cops after all we've seen at this point would would kind of dictate that maybe less cops is the answer and maybe uh, more mental health services and more community services and more counseling services and more social outreach is is um, the better solution um, and probably a more efficient use of dollars. But far be it for us to, to say a, anything, we're just... It's it's going to be a weird comparison, but like, it's sort of, I'm going to do like the Fry's Electronics versus Best Buy comparison. If you remember, you'd go to Fry's Electronics and there were like nine employees standing around and none of them knew what the fuck you were asking for help with. They could not yeah. help you. They didn't yeah. know what you were asking. You had to go ask another. You had to go find like the nerdiest looking person you could find in there. And you're like, hey, which router should I buy, friend? And yeah, they had they had those little stands with the little computer at the end of yeah. each aisle, right? And they would just sort of hover around it. And then there was that one. There was always the one dude who knew where everything was, right? Um, but so versus find that versus dude. Best Buy, where you know per, they, there was just way less people there, but they all like knew the product. And I feel like right. maybe maybe there there's a maybe there's some value in having less police who are dare I say better at their job. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or just more equipped to do their job, right? Um, and and have more tools and skills at their their uh, at their leisure. Yeah, and and it, again, it comes back to the standards, right? Um, we could be looking to hire cops who are well educated, well trained, um, know know a thing or two about community engagement, um, and aren't just cowboys, right, or cowgirls. Um, so there's a lot to be said, I think, for uh, also looking at just raising the standards back again um, and not being so quick to say we need to add as many cops as possible as soon as possible. Right. But be really thoughtful about who you're adding and who you're bringing in and what kind of uh, environment you're creating. Are we creating an environment that's, that's per permissive of uh, the kind of shit we saw in the lead story? Or are we um, trying to create uh, a better force that's more apt to to manage uh, the, the communities and, and help the communities that it's supposed to serve. And again, when we talk about San Francisco, we have to keep it, keep this in perspective and just think about San Francisco versus St. Louis, Missouri, or versus, mm -hmm. I like St. Louis actually, because that's the, that's the most, uh, most violent crime per capita in the country. You never hear shit about St. Louis though. We hear about Ferguson, <laughs> right outside St. Louis, but yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's so I feel I safe think, walking around St. Louis, honestly, I think recently. people like lose perspective here. And honestly, I feel like I'd probably feel pretty fucking safe walking in downtown St. Louis too, because like I, I, I did, I was there maybe four years ago and you know, I, I walked extensively, Frank, again, I'm white dude, but still, um, didn't, didn't really feel like a police state, but also didn't feel, you know, um, like the, the highest whatever crime per capita 
state in a violent crime per capita uh, city in America. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm skating because I'm six foot three and again, Caucasian. And, uh, uh, you know, if you were there for like a conference or something, you were also around the city center, like probably, and that's where, you know, it's in like, downtown, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're in, if you're in San Francisco and you only hang out in the financial district, you're going to get a little bit of a different, different feel. Or if you're in San Francisco and only hang out in the Castro, you're going to get like a different feel for the city than if you go to other parts of the city. Very true. It was the Good Wives Conference, uh, so I actually got out and uh, got around a bit. And this was pre-baby, so I actually got to to explore a bit on my own, um, which I love to do in any city. I love to just. I, I don't like to just stick in the touristy zones and the financial district. I really like to get out and see what's going on. Um, and it was just fun town. It was a fun town. I'll say that much. Yeah, I, I, I haven't I haven't been, but I, you know, I, I hear that St. Louis is kind of a lot of fun. Yeah, there's the Arch. You know, it's exciting. Oh, and somebody in chat says that St. Louis actually is, uh, homicides are down 20% this year, so that's good. Yay! Hooray St. Louis. Yeah, I'm not, like, rooting for, like, St. Louis to just be worse than San Francisco, right? <laughs> I want, I want homicides to, I'd like to see homicide go down, like, in, everywhere like, in, in any way possible, but I think the answers are more to that are going to be more, about, more systemic and less yeah. about, like, the, the, the government's reaction to homicide more about Correct. things that the government does to prevent homicide. And a lot of times that's going to be stuff that's going to, it's, you know, medium to long-term stuff where people's material needs get met and they end up in folks, even maybe folks who are violently inclined are less likely to end up in uh, what we would call a desperate situation. But I think that's a, you know, these are, <clears throat> these are things that take a long, long time to solve. And uh, I think we're going the wrong direction in a lot of ways on this. Yeah, um, it's it's a long arc, but we need to bend it back the right way again. So this yeah. next story, I thought it was I I was like, here's a tale of two tiny homes, and this is I'm just gonna let this one ride because this is I can't even believe that this is a story. I, winners I just, and honestly, losers, I, winners and losers. I honestly can't believe that this is like a news story. We are technically still in wildfire season, and we have a revealing look for homeowners at the power of a wildfire. There are ways to better protect your home to survive a fire. Let's bring in our consumer investigator, Chris Camara, who had a front row seat for this story. Fascinating, Chris. Yeah, good evening. Firefighters, engineers, and insurance companies are hoping the next four minutes of your time will inspire you to reduce your fire risk and possibly help you keep your home insurance. There's no red flag warning. It's not very hot out. There is high humidity. Still, a raging fire is devouring this makeshift house. It's engulfed in flames, and yet Cal Fire crews standing just feet away are not rushing in to douse it. Today, they're bystanders. To explain why, let's rewind about 12 minutes. This is the Brickyard, a Sacramento fire training facility. Our visit to the Brickyard might change the look of your front and backyard. Here, very typical construction. And COPE is part of a consortium of building engineers, fire pros, and insurance groups that built two microcosm homes side by side. Their goal is to burn them. Well, one of them. The point here is the wildfire prepared house on the right is doing things right. Fire-resistant siding, defensible space, sealed eaves, a metal fence where it meets the house, and no plants next to the walls. Everything within these first five feet is non-combustible. 
The house on the left, however, is left to burn. Intentionally, it has traditional, easily combustible wood siding, common mulch touching the siding, an old-school wooden fence, shrubs right up against the wall, and open eaves. Um, so if anything is burning underneath them, all that heat's gonna go right up into those structural pieces. Like the roof. We can stop the fingers of wildfire. From After a short introduction. Firefighters are getting set up with drip torches. Firefighters simultaneously light tiny flames at both houses. The fire in the park here simulating embers. Within about 12 minutes, a smoky, roaring, and unmistakable difference. The fire on the left burned so hot, so fast, it temporarily overheated our cameras, even though we were several yards away. The house collapsed while our cameras were cooling. Luckily, one of the hosts shared this clip with us. Engineers knew exactly how this would go down. Literally, they knew the house on the right would survive because they've done this demo in a lab and written research papers. Now they're taking this dramatic display on the road for you. It's one thing to be able to read about the best practice, it's another to see it. And so we wanted to bring it to California residents to let them see it for themselves. Daniel Berlant is California's fire marshal. Myself, I've had two fires uh, in the last three years. One thing about this controlled burn surprised us, that shrub right there. And we think they're green, which means they're alive. We're watering them, so you know, they, they should be able to resist fire, but that's not the case. The green shrub ignited. It burned up the fence, then burned down the house. Berlant says you should learn from this live fire exercise. Move all vegetation at least five feet from your home, even if heirloom plants have been rooted close by for years or decades. We realize that's not going to be easy, but the science shows us that that first five feet is so critical. Before the fire, and the engineer called it while giving us a tour of the two homes. Even though this plant is beautiful, healthy, and green, it will absolutely ignite. In fact, all the lush plants burned. The science is right. Karen Collins is with the American Property Casualty Insurance Association, which represents insurance companies that insure our homes. Some companies are leaving California. Others are dropping customers or raising premiums. They blame big losses and seemingly nonstop fires. Collins says if homeowners collectively embrace the lessons learned here and reduce risk, more companies might resume offering home policies in California. We can be more resilient to wildfires and together, individual homes at community scale, we can meaningfully reduce our losses, which can really positively impact the insurance market in California. At the end of the day, the wildfire prepared home on the right was so unscathed, firefighters can reuse it. Fire Marshal Berlant told us California will require contractors to build and landscape new homes like this one. He says you should do the same with your home, no matter how old it is. It's not just something we're advising people to do. It makes a difference whether this home or your home uh, is destroyed when a wildfire does occur. It's fascinating to see that. I know it's oh the, it's the importance of that defensible space. Mm -hmm. You always yes. talk about it every year. You know, yeah. it's up to the homeowners to create that. And we wanted you to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Watching that shrub mm -hmm. perfectly green. It was fresh from the nursery up in flame oh, just wow. like that right to the fence from the fence to the house and it was all over uh, i think we're all thinking about our, our homes now i hope so <laughs> and, and all oh. the problem spots yeah and you yeah. talked about the heat from that fire yeah just tremendous yeah it, our phones there were several spectators there and our phones almost all simultaneously just said nope too much heat and we were yards away from I the know. thing and it was 
almost instant. It was astounding how quickly it went from, mm. oh, look, there's a little torch fire there to whoo, it's fully engulfed. And then phones freeze up and, because yep, of the heat. Exactly. Yeah, we backed off, cooled down, and think twice about our own homes. So <clears throat> the obvious thing there that I saw was, first of all, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tan bark is just kindling, obviously. Like, this, these are obvious things. Like, cement doesn't burn. Uh, the aluminum siding would not burn like wood because aluminum doesn't burn. Um, like, this, I don't know why this was a news story. Um, it took four minutes, too, to, like, explain just some of these basic concepts that anyone would understand, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, just, I love that it's news, and they're shocked that their phone's overheated. It's like, yes, it's fire. It's fucking hot. You were like yards away from a house fire, basically. Yes, it's hot. That's the point. Yes, the plants like incinerated because it's hot. Doesn't matter how healthy they are, but that they're made of wood. So is the house, and wood burns. It's like it reminded me of the Three Little Pigs. You know that story, right? The, right. The pig that builds a house with a, a straw and gets blown over, and then the pig builds a house with wood, whatever wood or whatever gets blown over sticks, and then the house with brick, you know, doesn't get blown over, and the, the pig survives. That's pretty much what we've got here. It's like a lesson we all learned when we were two years old. <laughs> but Chris Kimura gets paid to to do this kind of shit. So um, I hope you're all hope you all feel protected now, down ballot listen, listener and and viewer. We're bringing valuable public service to you here. And like not for nothing, like in the places where most people would see that everybody's house made of stucco or the the, the siding is stucco for the most like part, non flammable yeah, I mean, stucco. Yeah, it's my. Our house right here is, is that we do have those eaves. We have those open eaves. So maybe we'll look, maybe we'll look at doing that in the future when we renovate the house, but it ain't going to happen anytime soon. And we're not necessarily in you know wildfire danger here, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's just common sense, right? Like I would, you know, if, if my house did burn and I'd be like, well, we had, you know, it's made of wood. <laughs> we've got a wood fence. We've got plants all around. Yeah. We have trees. Yeah. It makes sense. So do what you can, but yeah, it's, it's a non-story again, but it, it's great for winners and losers because one house won and one house lost. <laughs> well, we're going to follow up on a story we've been following for a long time. This is, uh, I'm not going to lie, when I was a teenager, uh, if this was around, I would have been hanging out at this lady's house for sure. Uh, I would have been drinking for sure. Would have would have had a little bit of a problem with some of the uh, escapades there, though, because, uh, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> not, trying yeah, to fuck, not trying to fuck no girls, but... Well, maybe who knows? Maybe she's all inclusive. We never. Yeah, I don't yeah, think we're not yet to be proven. The, the court case will bring it out. I mean, she's pleading not guilty, so we're gonna we're gonna learn more all, uh, about what happened. This is the Los Gatos party mom. Uh, we've covered this in the past, um, and she has pleaded not guilty to the charges of, of being a party house mom, which I think is crazy. She's crazy. <laughs> But maybe she's wants a fun time. New charges in connection to her alleged activities at her Los Gatos home. KTVU South Bay reporter Jesse Gary has the latest. Jesse. The slow pace of Shannon O'Connor's trial shifted into high gear Monday. For the prosecution, they're saying time's up for Shannon O'Connor and the party's over. It's time for trial. The 48-year-old O'Connor had seen continued delays. Party's over. She's in jail. Hearing phase of her case. Ben. She faces 63 felonies in connection with staging alcohol-fueled teenage sex parties at her Los Gatos home from 2021 to 2022. As multiple children were left unconscious from alcohol intoxication, vomiting from alcohol intoxication, sexually abused, unconscious, or one with broken bones. Santa Clara County Deputy District Attorney Rebecca Wise used an October 30th grand jury indictment to move the case forward. 
That panel decided there is enough evidence against O'Connor to proceed to trial. Wise says taking this route spares 13 young victims more trauma from additional delays. Because the grand jury is a confidential process where the district attorney is the person who has to be present, I knew that because I was there that this was going to go forward. Wise says seven new charges were added to the list of crimes allegedly committed by O'Connor. Some of the victims had previously testified the events destroyed their lives. O'Connor has pleaded not guilty and turned down a plea deal that would have put her behind bars for 17 years. The new charges increase her potential incarceration to 31 years. Legal analyst Stephen Clark says relying on the grand jury is problematic for the defense. When you have a grand jury transcript to only rely on, you don't get that face-to-face -face contact with the victims and the witnesses, and I think that's a missed opportunity for the defense. O'Connor is due back in court December 20th to confirm counsel and possibly set a trial date. However, there could be a delay if defense attorney Madden chooses not to represent her at trial. Outside the Hall of Justice here in San Jose, Jesse Gary, KTVU, Fox 2 News. I mean, I don't know, unless there's something I don't know, this is, this is like open and shut. What the fuck is this lady doing? Yeah, other than adding 14 years under her sentence, um, God knows, uh, she has a term, she's listening to her attorney, um, but yeah, it's, uh, stubborn, I would say, um, but who, know, who knows, maybe something will come out and uh, there's a, a one-armed man that's responsible for all of it, right, or some, si some silent partner that, that was, uh, was at, at, the, at the helm of all of it. Um, but we'll keep following it here on Down Ballot. I mean, it, it's very, it's always intriguing, um, and we can always, you know, dream of living vicariously through some of these kids. We're obviously having a great, grand old time. I'm, am um, I mis, am I misremembering it? She was like letting kids drive her car when they were drunk and shit. Like it was like it was like it wasn't just like she was letting the like it's not like she was just the cool mom that would be like, okay, you and your friends can drink in the garage, but nobody's driving and fucking keep it down. Oh yeah, this is like this is you know goes above and beyond that, right? Just encouraging that kind of behavior and and encouraging uh, illegal behavior and and real dangerous behavior, apparently. Um, right, because everybody had that. Everybody, if if that wasn't your parents, everybody had that friend where it was okay if you had a couple beers at your friend's house. Like, sure, but, but mom and dad were like, "Fucking keep it, keep it chill." Yeah, right. There's a place. There's a time and place for that, kids. It's called the garage. Right, right. Even <laughs> go, that go, '70s show, it was like. The basement, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, just just do, do your thing. Oh, you're hungry. That's cute. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but apparently, this was above board, and and you know who knows? But there, it's a slippery slope. Maybe it started with just her kid or something like that. And maybe it started with that kind of pervasiveness or uh, permissiveness, and it scaled up. You know who knows? But uh, she's obviously got some got some issues um, that she has to deal with, uh, and some demons that she has to deal with, especially if she's trying to you know, push, press this case, I'd be looking to settle as quickly as possible. She's been in jail for two, like, well, you know, I guess almost two years now, whenever she got, yeah. whenever she got picked up, at least a year. So she's doing a lot of time already. And it's, it's like, I can't imagine her attorneys are advising her to and, press this, but. And I just can't imagine, choice. I just can't imagine like not getting the book thrown at you at sentencing, like maximum fucking sentence on all the charges. Cause of like, what's going on here again, I'm not a big fan of the carceral state. But you don't, you don't invite all the, you don't invite half the high school over and then provide them with drugs and alcohol and tell them to fuck. Like, yeah. yikes. Yeah. And then, and, push the, and pressing the issue too is not going to, I mean, when it comes to, if she gets convicted, it gets to sentencing, the judge is not going to look kindly on the fact that she wasted the court's time 
by you know dragging this on when she could have settled and just gotten taken her her licks and gone to gone to you know served her time um they're not going to be happy about the fact that she's pressing this um uh so i, I think that you will you're right you're going to see if she is convicted the book will be the proverbial book will be thrown in her face yeah and i don't know there's a lot of <clears throat> that's that's just smacks of like this is going to be like privilege meets reality right Mm -hmm. yep we talked about that a bit right before like that that this might not have come out you know um if it weren't like los gatos right or if um or maybe it didn't come out for a while it it was allowed to go on for so long because it was los gatos right um and no one wanted to talk about it no one likes to talk about bruno um so uh yeah it it's it's gonna who knows there could be other party moms in los gatos that are going to get exposed because of this maybe there's some uh, maybe she's got some knowledge about some sort of scene, underground scene of all this happening, and she was just a pawn in the great scheme of things. Maybe. I so, mean, when I was younger, there were definitely times when friends of mine had birthday parties where their parents were home, and, you know, people were, you know, underage and drinking and smoking weed, and the parents were, like, looking the other way, but things didn't get crazy. Sure. And the parents yeah, certainly pass- weren't fucking participating. Yeah, and they're not passing out or encouraging, you know, they're not encouraging They were, like, sex, sh- you know, they were like chaperoning and fucking... Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Engaged in some form of harm reduction, <laughs> like right. One, one would hope. Um, yeah, but well, we'll see. We shall see. I'm, I can't wait to learn more. I'm actually there's part of me that's glad that she's pressing the issue because this means that you know the the trial will reveal even more um, that we probably wouldn't have gotten if she had settled. Right? It would have been unsealed and and there would have been non disclosure agreements. But now we're going to get to hear all of it. So right. Um, good on us. We'll we'll continue to follow this here on Down Ballot, loyal listener and viewer. Oh, there's going to be like, there's going to be like a Netflix series about this lady for sure. Hundy percent. Hundy percent. So up next, um, this was a thing that I didn't think was actually ever going to happen. Um, apparently, uh, there, uh, was, uh, a, a, a drug, a weed candy at, a given to kids at a Halloween event. I thought this was, we'll, we'll find out more, but I, this is almost certainly carelessness and not malice. Almost school, certainly. But we'll find a out. A school event? No. Yeah, we'll find out, though. A danger in plain sight. Tonight, police, parents raising concerns after cannabis-infused candy was handed out at a school Halloween event in the East Bay. It was just right there in with the other candy. It really didn't stand out until I knew to look for it. An alert for parents weed tonight leaf ahead didn't of Halloween. Register. Good evening. I'm Julie Hayner. And I'm Mike Meebeck. The Alameda Police Department says one child became sick after eating a cannabis-infused oh. fruit chew. KTV's Jenna Katsuyama live tonight there at the police department with more on the story. Jenna. Well, Mike, I spoke with the police chief, and he says that these candies are small and square, kind of like one of those Starburst fruit chews. And we've learned tonight from the school district that now a total of four families found this cannabis product mixed in with their children's candy. I think none of us expected that something like this could happen. It was a Halloween scare that Beth Malloy and other parents never expected at the Amelia Earhart Elementary School's Trunk or Treat on Sunday. It was a great event. Everyone had a good time. There were lots of family volunteers handing out candy from their trunks. But early Monday morning, the school learned that one child became sick after eating what they thought was a regular piece of candy. A student who attended the event didn't feel well yesterday. The parents checked the candy that the student had received at the event 
and found um, the wrapper, which says right on it that it's cannabis infused. The school and the Alameda district immediately put out email alerts and phone calls to all parents with photos of the product. Mm. And that is when Beth Malloy saw something in her own son's candy pile. It looked like just a, a standalone starburst. I would never have looked um, had I not gotten those emails and those phone calls, and it really did prevent my child um, from eating something that could have been really dangerous for him. We got emails from both the PTA and the principal and phone calls from everyone. By afternoon, four families had found the cannabis product mixed in with the candy. Cannabis-infused candies can look a lot like regular candy, so it's important that parents take a super careful look at their kids' candy this year. The school district alerted Alameda police, who began investigating and posted a warning on the department's Facebook page with examples comparing regular candy with some cannabis products that are made to look similar. So far we have done some interviews with uh, uh, different staff members, um, people that were at the event. Our goal is to figure out how this occurred uh, and whether there was uh, malicious intent here, was this an accident, and how, how can we prevent this from happening again. And with Halloween on Tuesday, police are calling on all parents to be extra cautious. Take a good look at the labeling, look at the packaging to see whether or not these packages are open, they look suspicious, read the ingredients, make sure that there's nothing that suggests that there's cannabis. California state legislature passed a bill just this past session that would have tightened restrictions to prevent labels and packaging on cannabis products that look like candy. Governor Newsom, however, vetoed that bill, saying that he felt that the restrictions currently in place were sufficient. I did reach out to state lawmakers tonight, but have not yet heard back. Mike. Close call and a good warning for all parents going into tomorrow night. Jana, thank you for that. Dr. So if I had to guess what happened here, one of the parents probably brought some uh, cannabis edibles like to share with the other adults there that they knew and fucking shit just got mixed up. I almost guarantee that's what happened. I mean, I, I hope that's the case. Like, I, I'm just shocked that they don't know it or didn't find out like immediately. Like, that would be the first thing that they, the school district or the school would want to know is well, how the fuck did this happen? Who brought them to school? I Yeah, I can't imagine this was like an accident in terms of like not knowing what it was. I have had those very exact same treats. They're very delicious, by the way, and they they really help to to mellow my moods out. Um, but it's incredibly obvious. Like the the wrappers have the leaf on them. It says cannabis infused right there. It's not like some sort of secret. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really curious to know how this happened in the first place. I think your theory more than likely holds water. Um, but uh, yeah, if if so, regardless, like dumb on you, parent slash teacher, for bringing them to campus in the first place. Oh, it was. Um, did you see it was trunk or treat? I think that they were probably parents were like yeah. doing trick or treat from the trunk of their car in the school parking lot, which is kind of right. a cool idea. Sure, sure. But, it's fun. But uh, yeah, you have to, I mean, absolutely be more be more careful. But I think you know, parents always should be vigilant with when it comes to this Halloween candy. I've always been a little sus of sending your kids around door to door, no matter where, what neighborhood you're in. Um, you just don't know. You don't know at the end of the day. Um, people, we we've, we've see it all the time. Um, you know, he used to mow the yard, right? And then he, he's got heads in the basement. So, uh, you know... Always be on the lookout. Always check to see what your kids... Actually, frankly, fuck it. Like, not even weed candy or anything like with glass in it or whatever. Just make sure your kids aren't eating shit that's going to give them diabetes. Right? right. Like, um, you know, to, to try to for, try to con, uh, conserve their ingestion of sugary sweets to begin with, right? Um, but, and, and watch what they're eating. Like, if you don't know, like, that, that's just, that's disturbing enough. So, um, 
uh, I would have been looking through that stuff pretty, but they're, they're right. Like individually wrapped, if you just sort of glance at it, it does look like a Starburst. It looks absolutely like a Starburst, um, but they taste like Starburst too. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I, I just, that stuff's like not cheap. So I, I think somebody just not, fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something, some, maybe someone had something in their car, they grabbed the wrong bag, who knows, but, um. My guess, yeah, I just, guarantee, I, I can almost guarantee you they brought some fur because that's probably boring as shit for the parents, right? Oh yeah, so. sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I got the you know the tell on the text thread. Don't worry, I got us, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll bring, I'll bring the, I'll bring the adult candy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And it, like you know, same same as any anything else, right? Slip in a little whiskey in your in your your uh, flask, right? At a kid's basketball game or something. Yeah, same same difference. My parents used to you know stay up after when we'd go on family camping trips with the other parents and get high, right? Um, and later on in life, I'd be like, why the fuck didn't you wake me up? <laughs> like mom, mom. I, well, the last time we went, I was 17, mom, come on. Right. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> you know, share, puff, puff, give, puff, puff, give. But I mean, um, yeah, that stuff's, I mean, these were elementary school kids too, right? It's, oh, dude. That's, yeah. That's, 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 I mean, it's not going to kill them, but yeah, it's going to make them sick. They're going to be afraid. Like, yeah, yeah. And if you're not ready, I mean, regardless, if you're an adult, even if you're not, prepared like if you don't know what you're ingesting and suddenly you're you're eating edible like even i get super anxious and and um uh and wired on edibles so i have to be really careful about how much i eat too um yeah definitely absolutely it doesn't matter what age you are um if you're not ready for it if you don't know what you're ingesting that's going to really freak you out and especially if you've never done anything like it before in the past right um i've done any drugs at all right that that would could severely fuck and, you and up and those mentally. are dosed for people you know roughly our size or whatever they're not yeah like a whole third a graders. whole one of those is probably enough for like you and me would get us would do us just well just one of them but um so they actually recommend like half of one or right a, a few, you know that so kind of a thing. third grader a third grader just chomping the whole thing is probably a yeah. very like not a good idea i mean there's no good dose of that for a fucking third grader but my god no. a whole fucking one of that like like what is it like a hundred milligram or something my god yeah I've, I've seen i did a ride along once with with firefighters and i saw a kid a junior high kid who had um taken something that they didn't know it was um an edible and yeah, that, that kid was not only they, they were sick, but they were they were absolutely freaking out. They were like having a, a moment, um, a mental health health crisis. So uh, it was not good at all um, for them. And they're they're a little older than these kids. So, so uh, up next, we got a <laughs> apparently Antioch just can't catch a break on down ballot, can they? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, let's let's just roll this one because I I don't even want to begin to describe this one before we hear about it. New fallout tonight in the East Bay School District that put a teacher on administrative leave for her Halloween costume. The oh, teacher no. dressed in a Scooby-Doo themed costume but painted her face black. NBC Bay Area's Jody Hernandez. Any black people on Scooby-Doo. The community is divided with some offended by her painted face and others feeling the district went too far. She didn't mean any harm and I know her personally and I don't think she would ever mean any harm in that, you know, that way. I thought it was creative and unique. I gave her a compliment. Uh, it was a nice costume. That's how many parents at Sutter Elementary School are feeling tonight about a popular teacher placed on administrative leave over the costume she wore at the school's Halloween parade. In addition to wearing a Scooby-Doo van, she attached a moon to her head and painted her face black to represent the night, according to a school board member. It was a, a Scooby-Doo costume, so when I seen it, well, she was dressed as I the van. Twice about yeah, her trying to you know make fun or you know be racist towards black people. I just thought it was a costume. Regardless of what the costume was, uh, any 
black painted face uh, really has such a strong ability to be very offensive and very harmful uh, to black communities and communities of color. School board, board member, member Antonio Hernandez says the concern is warranted and the teacher has been removed from the classroom while the district investigates. Tonight, other city leaders are also weighing in. I get the intent, but the impact really devastated community members in a way where a lot of questions are being asked about, you know, who who did she consult with um, before <laughs> moving forward with what we all saw as blackface. Antioch Mayor Pro Tem Tamisha Torres Walker believes the teacher's costume choice is a sign of the district's failure to address racial disparity. This incident is just an example of how this district has not addressed issues around culture um, because this teacher should have absolutely known whether it's harmful or not that blackface is unacceptable. And the controversy has triggered a flood of comments on social media. Oh, God. Wow, just wow. Give me a break. People are so sensitive. Those are just a few of the thousands of reactions. Many are calling on the district to return the teacher to the classroom. I think she's a great asset to Sutter Elementary, and I don't think she should be put on for that. No word yet from the district on how long their investigation will take. In Antioch, Jody Hernandez, NBC Bay Area News. She painted her face black to represent the night. What the fuck? Like, yeah, I mean, absolutely poor, 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 poor judgment. I what I say. thought we were going to see is that she had dressed up as Scooby Doo, and because Scooby Doo is a brown dog, she had maybe yes. painted her face the color that Scooby Doo's fur is. I thought, I thought maybe we were going to see that, which I was like, well, you know, it's this person should know better, but they're not um you know painting their face black to uh suggest that they're a black person this is i don't know if it's worse or you know just a kind of a sidestep it's just very confusing it is it's just it's kind of silly like she painted her face black to represent the night with the moon i mean i get it I, it didn't seem like she was portraying a character and it looked like when she had the full costume on she had more of like a mask kind of a thing around her face it wasn't like so obvious like that like the picture they showed was Unfortunately, like, it does look like she's trying to do blackface um, when you zoom in past the van. Um, but well, yeah, it's they, not I that mean, she's trying to do it. She did blackface. She Yeah, correct. She did do blackface. And uh, so in that regard, 100% poor judgment um, on the teacher's part. Um, I, I, I think it's it's worth having the... Com it's, good, it's good to have the conversation. At least it's sparking uh, the conversation that should be had and should be being had. But at the same time, it's it's just... To me, it's Max just really poor judgment i don't I, I i'm willing to believe that this woman's not a racist or you know i mean we're all racist in some way but not an, not an overt or intentional racist um yeah i don't yeah i don't know a good teacher and a good benefit to the school and everyone makes time so um everyone makes dumb decisions from time to time and this is obviously an example of that whether or not she deserves to be fired, I don't know. I mean, you can you, that conversation again that has to be had. I think if you believe the mayor pro tem, you know, the district has issues that go beyond just this one woman. So hopefully, it's again something that, um, uh, in, you know, it sparks a new conversation or a, a more uh, profound conversation about about this. Because yeah, she said, you know, I, I the, the mayor pro tem said, well, I don't know who she consulted with. Probably nobody. I, I, I doubt she I doubt she consulted with anybody. It's her Halloween costume, right? She just it's a surprise, right? So she maybe her husband or wife or whatever, if she if she has a spouse um at home, I, I would imagine maybe just say, Hey, look what I'm gonna do. Um and that's the point where, you know, 
rational person should be like, honey, I don't think that's the best idea. Um, and I don't see why it was necessary for the costume to begin with, to be honest with you. Like if she's going as the mystery van, just go as the mystery van and like get yourself up inside the mystery van and like have portals to look out of. Like, why do you have to have your head sticking out the top of the mystery van? I, I didn't understand that part at all. So um, confusing costume. I don't think the intent was there, but the the result is the same. Like they said, it's, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with all the soapboxing, but you know, the uh, regardless of the intent, the impact is the same. Yeah, so, uh, yeah people just, should be more thoughtful. Just don't paint your face black. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Like, even if you think you're just trying to look like a coal miner or something, you could do like do a little bit of you could do a little bit of like you could do a little bit of coal like under your eyes or something, maybe around your eyes. Like, or you, you, you maybe do like you do just a the fucking do it on your hands if you're supposed to be a coal miner. No problem with black smudges. 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 Yeah, yeah. Smudges. Like you're dirty. But like, oh my god, she's like, I painted my face black to represent the night. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, what? Are you, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, so, watch yourself out there, folks. So it's like, just think, think for a couple seconds. Just think for a couple seconds. And it's and not like I think it's if, not like she, if she was, had thought about it. It's not like she was the parent of some kid or something. She's the she's the teacher. Yeah, and she should be smarter, right? So you think that a teacher would, if you think about it for two seconds, she probably would have thought differently about it. I don't think. I obviously she was not thinking. Obviously she was not. This did, did not occur to her. And yeah, you're right. Like, is that worse or better than in intentional, right? Um, I think you can argue, but both are probably just as egregious, right? If you're not, if you're ignorant, ignorance is not a a, a defense, right? So I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's silly season out there. People need to be more thoughtful about what they're doing. So up next is the probably the most San Jose story we're going to cover in a while. Uh, this was all over Twitter and stuff. People in other places were making fun of it. Um, Apparently, a house that used to be a meth lab and still, like, you know, includes some of the accoutrement of a meth lab, some of the modifications, maybe, that one would make to their house if they're doing uh, unlicensed chemistry projects. Um, and you kind of got to clean that up yourself if you're the buyer. It went for sa went up for sale. Uh, $1.5 million. Let's see what uh, the local Fox affiliate thinks about this. It is a buzz this morning about a home for sale in San Jose. It is a rundown home on Potomac Court listed for $1.5 million. There's a catch, though. It's a former meth lab and is contaminated and will likely need to be raised. It's the former home of a San Jose man who was arrested earlier this year after being accused of making bombs and blowing up PG&E transformers around San Jose. The reason for all the talk online is that the price of the home actually went up by $125,000 last week, despite its rundown condition. Right, I mean, they're just buying the land that it's on, right? Location, location, location. Oh yeah, for the most part, yeah. You're not really buying, you're almost never really buying the, the house itself, um, unless you're like a, like a brand new construction, you're really just buying the land. Um, uh, so yeah, it, uh, not surprising that it's gone up and the valuation of most properties, uh, this has hap happened a couple weeks ago where the, the county released their new valuations. Um, so property values went up across the board throughout the South Bay. No surprise at all there, right? It's cost of doing business, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe it, I guess, I don't know if it has to be raised. Maybe there's someone who, you know, might want to use the lab for, for good for right. researching or, like cancer treatments or something. It didn't really look, they said it was run down. I mean, it was run down in that the lawn wasn't kept at that. The front of the house was boarded up. But if you look at like the second story, it looked like the, the rest of the house just kind of, who knows what it looks like inside though. Right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, God knows, but, um, at, from the exterior, it didn't look much worse than the house next door. Right. Do you know much about the neighborhood? Uh, ish, you know, it's, it's, 
it's like carpet housing for the most part. Um, oh right, but know. it's it's not like 1.5 million for the lot. If if there was if that was an empty lot, does that seem about right? Like if there was no house there, it's reasonable. I'd say um, it's probably a little. Well, bit. reasonable might be it, it's common. We would say because reasonable 1.5 yeah. million seems kind well, of unreasonable. Just, yeah, I mean, and, and the the size of the lot more than likely is a lot bigger than than average. Like I, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think for the size of the lot, the size of the home. Um, or the size of the home you could build on the lot right, right? Cause because the foundation the so is still there or whatever yeah. right and, and there's and there's also just zoning regulations around like how how high and how big you can build on a certain square foot lot right you have to have, um so the and there's potential probably for an adu to go in there too which would make it more valuable um so yeah it's more more likely for the size of the lot than anything else and the look and the location obviously i think um, just to fuck around somebody should put like a fourplex there and watch the neighbors freak out and go listen you preferred the meth lab we could put the meth right. lab right back in here right sb9 bitches here we come oh <laughs> uh, oh man. anyway that's um that's crazy but uh, like i said if if the you know if other houses on that street had sold for maybe 1.7 or something you know because they're like larger houses then this makes sense because it's yeah you know do you do you want to go in on it with me i mean we no, but some I mean, new space no okay. um just checking I, I podcast and stream for a living so no i could get a loan maybe i have a pretty good credit score so. <laughs> right, it's, it's actually sad that's actually i think the valuation on um i never expected to own a home frankly we inherited um lucky us uh but that's the valuation we got is like 1.5 right now um for a single story 1400 foot home i forget how big our lot is like 5,000 feet maybe square feet so yeah, that's a bigger lot, bigger home. Uh, so it's a pretty pretty good bargain. But you're gonna have to pay to raise the house and and then build a new one too. Or so. or if you don't, it's even if you could like salvage the house, it would probably be very expensive to bring a cleanup crew in or whatever. Yeah, I'm guessing you're gonna. It's gonna be at least another mill to to you know rebuild or to tear down and rebuild. So. Well, let's uh, let's move on to get your shit together. If anybody remembers, uh, we were uh, talking about. Um, barriers put up in uh san francisco to try to deter sex work because that's how you stop sex work is uh making people have to turn and then turn and then turn again and go around the block (laughs) right to the other end of the block to pick up their sex damn it i was going to do a sex work but now i have to go around the block (laughs) (laughs) oh well um yes it looks like they're trying to make some of these more permanent structures um out of the temporary structures we're going a little bit more from abc local sev Another set of barricades may soon be coming to San Francisco's Cap Street. Yeah, that's after the latest barricades was destroyed yet again. IT reporter Stephanie Sierra is here with the latest on the cost of this controversy. Exactly. Another development tonight. The barriers along Cap Street were supposed to stop alleged sex workers from crowding a San Francisco street. But every time the city puts up a barrier, they are damaged, torn down or destroyed. And as we found out, replacing them is not cheap. It's been four months since these barriers were installed along four blocks of San Francisco's Cap Street. The barriers, also called collapsible steel ballers, cost taxpayers more than $250,000. And within weeks, we saw this, and this, and this. Ballards collapsed, slanted, broken off the hinges, covered in graffiti, Uh leaving neighbors relying on these planters to block incoming traffic. (laughs) Uh, Frankly, the ballers were inadequate. They're relatively short and not very sturdy. Oh, but a succulent is going to do the trick. 
Santiago Lerma is the legislative aide for Supervisor Hillary Ronan. He says SFMTA is considering two replacements. These silver steel bollards that are at least three to four feet tall, or these cement planters that are currently being used in Berkeley. Lerma says the setup would likely mirror what's happening here with two concrete planters on both sides of the street, a metal bar in the middle restricting smaller cars but still allowing bikes to get through, as well as emergency vehicles. We're, we're looking at which is better, which is cheaper, which is going to be more efficient. But some residents are doubtful, arguing the existing process has been everything but cheap and efficient. From stalled cars to deliveries. Here's a first-hand account from an Amazon employee. To go to the next block, we have to bust a U-turn. I don't think it's a good idea. The city can't come up with a better solution than, than making people's lives harder. There is the traffic barriers. Mm -hmm. There is the cement K-rails. There was consideration of the water-based barriers. Yes. Then the collapsible steel bollards, replacement of those bollards. Mm -hmm. So that's five attempts. <laughs> what do you say to critics who argue this is a waste of taxpayer money? Well, I mean, I would have, I mean, I, the, the, the problem that but, we but, 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 uh, but, solved was such that uh, really it was our responsibility as a city to spend as much money as we needed to uh, really reduce the amount of sex trafficking that was going on on the street. Hundreds oh, the, the conflation uh, here, too, between consensual sex work and uh, sex trafficking is like a huge problem. Yes, let the people fuck. The there were pimps, Johns, uh, the traffic was bumper to bumper. And if you go out there now, that is no longer present. Most residents we've talked to agree it's been money well spent. Excellent. Yeah, they really did solve the problem they were meant to address. No more loud music, everybody's sleeping. That guy needs okay. to get laid. Each bollard can cost between a couple hundred dollars up to a couple thousand dollars. But Lerma pointed out it's not the materials that are expensive, but the labor. If this process moves forward, it's likely all four blocks would need to be replaced, which could be another $250,000 at least. But I would like to say that I hope that it's going to be much cheaper. Well, I wish they'd spend the money on creating more services for people, more support for people who need it and divert some of the revenue that goes into like mental health services. And but as we've seen before, the reality of the price tag depends on the durability. Would you consider doing a phased-in approach where, depending on what option you choose, you install it at one intersection to see if they work before yeah. purchasing a whole batch? Sure, I think that's a great idea. Now, it's important to note the fire department will ultimately have the final say on what is installed to ensure it can accommodate emergency vehicles. That decision will happen within the next few weeks. We'll, of course, be following yeah, it. Wow. So, Steph, are these going to become permanent? Like, are they going to stay indefinitely? That is actually being pushed to the SFMTA commission, and they are expected to vote on it by the end of the year. So we'll we'll keep following it and see. Okay. All right. Thank you, Stephanie. I bet, you a, um, I bet there's a Sorry, startup that could do a company called Barrier, B-A-R-R-R-R-R-R-E-E-R-R-H. <laughs> And uh, there could be an app actually that the firefighter would have to uh, that they would have to pay for, and it would right. the barrier would come down when the fire engine comes, or yes. it would say, "Oh, we're sorry, you need to update your app. The barrier can't come down right now. <laughs> <laughs> your phone is not working on the current iOS, so you need to you know, upgrade and then download the new app." Um, you no, know, there actually are bollards that are that can be re remotely controlled. I I believe that you know sink in the ground, come back up again. Of course, that'd be another 
expense, right? I, I have to say, regardless of what you think of this story, I, I feel for that staffer, Hillary Ronan staffer, that who she obviously just threw to the wolves. She couldn't go out there and speak herself or she couldn't, you know, she, she couldn't be bothered to, to be quoted or to get in a phone call with the reporter herself she had to send her staffer out there with very little information he's like well yeah we'd like to kind of maybe sort of keep this cheaper and you know we're hoping that maybe yeah you know oh that's a great idea reporter that's a really good idea reporter i'll take that under advisement um just obviously unprepared to do this hit uh and just you know answering for for their boss so hillary ronan good lord don't just throw your staff to the wolves like that they do too much work good work for you you need to get out there and, and own it yourself or just um, or but, just don't put yourself in in the middle like you know what i mean you could have just not yeah. done anything hillary Brown. you know what i'm saying yeah it's just it's it's just silly season right um the delivery guys are right the, the people in the, in the neighborhood are right like the uh er, almost constantly you hear especially in san jose like you know oh we need to have speed humps on our street you know there's people speeding down our street we need speed bumps and you forget that okay yeah we'll give you the speed bumps and the speed humps but guess what the person who's like sort of on a saturday just you know, gunning it down your street because they're just out for a joyride. That they have to deal with the bumps once. You have to deal with the bumps every day for the rest of your natural born life if you're living in that neighborhood. So you know, I I think it's a very slippery slope when it comes to that. And I think that the residents are eventually not going to uh, appreciate having to negotiate around these these things. Um, then again, it is San Francisco. It is the mission. So what the hell are you doing driving in the first place? Um, but still, unless you were John. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a funny, interesting solution if all the Johns and all the all the sex workers just bought bicycles, <laughs> or they or they use like the rideshare or the or the, uh, the lime lime scooters or the the lift bikes, right? Um, That'd be great. The scooters, like now, the scooter isn't up in the tree. The scooter is uh, now. The scooter is uh, uh, you know the the primary uh, transportation uh, mechanism for sex work. But I did right, real yeah, quick, but... real quick. They talked about sex trafficking and like yes. a, a lot of these. Yes. A lot of the people, uh, predominantly women out there are uh, uh, women or women identified people out there and they're just working girls, dude. The, most of those people are doing this consensually. Uh, most human trafficking is actually labor trafficking and, mm -hmm. um, and, and yes. that's, that's it. That's it. I you don't, know, I don't, I know they don't intentionally do this, but they're dog whistling a little bit at the sort of QAnon kind of sound of freedom people when they, when they character, char uh, characterize it in this way. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I think they're dog whistling a lot of people too. I mean, most anyone sex trafficking, right? Um, trafficking of human people. You know that obviously that you know that that's something that most of us would agree is not a great thing. Um, but that's not this, right? And if anything, they're demonizing these legitimate, you know, uh, uh, sex workers, people who are just trying to make a living doing consensual consensual sex acts. You know, they're demonizing them by by lumping them in with all of that, right? And it's just not the case. So, but they they're using it as scare tactics to well, to get what they want, and it makes a it bigger it, police state, and it makes it less safe for people who are trying to do it consensually, right? Like the harm Correct. there, we the harm reduction model needs to come into effect here. I know the yeah. people who live in the neighborhood don't want their, don't, you know, they don't want this to be like what their neighborhood is. I understand. Nobody wants this to be like it's the noise, though, right? I'm not sure that most of the people that are annoyed with this are like annoyed on some moral level, like my lord someone is selling sex they're annoyed yeah. with the the traffic and the noise yeah absolutely i, I think 100 percent. you're right there um so i i don't i don't appreciate that they're you know again demonizing these folks and also putting putting them in, in risk too like they 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 label them as such in the community they label them as bad as 
the other as you know negative and we're not we just don't have the honest conversation about what what they're trying to do and, and you know and, and the, the service they provide frankly when it comes down to it i don't know if i'd want to live in a world where we don't have you know consensual sex workers because uh some people just need that and they can't get it anywhere else and you know who knows maybe they'd be out there raping or you know sex trafficking right if they couldn't get um this kind of service um so i think we we, we need to have a conversation about that the the further underground you drive something the more dangerous it becomes for everybody involved correct from weed to to sex sex work to you you name it you're right um well Well, speaking of uh of (laughs) public safety and public issues um we had an election day today. Um, not so big in the Bay Area in California. Um, I'm wearing my Richmond shout Flying out to Virginia. Hat. Shout out to Virginia. My Richmond Flying Squirrels hat. Democrats are stepping up and progressives stepping up. And in Ohio, they uh, enshrined abortion rights <laughs> By like and also three to one, like and also legalized recreational weed in Ohio. So there's actually a reason to go back to Ohio for me for for the first time in many <laughs> many years. I can't stand that fucking place, but. Um, good on them. Good on them for doing that. And uh, but locally, we had a few races um, that we'll find out more about next week on down ballot, probably. But uh, we'll have a little quick quick hit from Fox on what was on the ballot today. If you're in these areas, tomorrow is election day across the country, and while political pundits are focusing on next year's presidential election, tomorrow we'll have some key races here in the Bay Area. In Alameda County, a seat is up for grabs in the Oakland School District. In Marin County, voters will decide on Measure B, which proposes a special tax to pay for the Madrone Park Circle Permanent Road Division. In Santa Clara County, voters will fill a vacancy in the San Jose Evergreen Community College District Board. That's the one we'll look at County votes on a Davis Joint Unified School District. Now, political analysts say the results of several key races across the country may signal what could happen in next year's presidential and congressional elections. In Kentucky, Democratic Governor Andy Beshear is running for re-election in a red state. He's popular for his actions during the pandemic and the deadly tornadoes that hit the state during his first term. Another closely watched governor's race is in Mississippi. Republican incumbent Tate Reeves is facing Democratic challenger Brandon Presley, who's a distant cousin of Elvis Presley. Reeves has been marred by scandal, but Republicans outnumber Democrats two to one in Mississippi. And an initiative in Ohio would amend that state's constitution to create the right to an abortion. Well, yeah. So I forgot to mention Kentucky Governor Bashir got reelected. So good. Good on them as well. Uh, my understanding is that's a very popular governor in a in a very interesting situation where they you would think you'd think not very interesting state i mean it's the state that elects mitch mcconnell every six years right so um and continues to or and elects Rand paul i think too so um yeah i mean good on them and and it shows that you know democrats can win in in these states um provided they you know they do the thing and they they engage in the community and they do the right thing um and they you know they broaden their they broaden their base they broaden their their reach um in a lot of ways um i mean he's not Maybe not perfect progressive, but it's best you can get in in Kentucky, right? It's better than the alternative. So, yep. uh, I think Democrats just need to be more thoughtful about where they're running and who they're running against, and the audience they're trying to reach, and we can be yep. successful. And uh, they didn't mention it, but Virginia, there was a lot of there was uh, elections for um, a lot of state level representatives, and the Democrats uh, held on to their control of the Senate there. Right, and they took the house back too, so they will. Oh, be able really? To start. They have, they have, yeah, they have. The, the late report is that they did uh, take the house, so um, there's a 
Republican governor there who's dead set on, um, you know, uh, attacking abortion rights and attacking the rights of women and attacking progressives. So this will be a great pushback. They have some defense there. Um, so I was recently in Richmond, really enjoyed it. I really enjoy, enjoy Virginia a lot and I'm really happy for them um, that they're going to uh, uh, be safe from that kind of BS, at least for a few more years. But well, not, be vigilant not, in states not, like that. Not to get too far out of local issues, as the, as the sprawl of D.C. continues to sprawl, uh, Virginia is going to continue to become more, uh, more like the, the, um, I guess more, more like the New England and less like the South. I think. Correct. Yeah, I think and it's ha- it is happening. It's 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 fits and starts sometimes. But you're right. Yeah, as as that continues to grow, that Northern Virginia becomes more like DC Metro. Um, yeah, you're going to see that for sure. Um, yeah, Richmond itself was you know very black, very progressive, very democratic. It's a city, right? So um, I think it was in a little bit of an enclave. But as soon as you get out in the country in Virginia, it's pretty bad. It, it turns well, pretty. There, quick. There's other spots, you know, like Virginia Beach is a pretty pretty progressive area too. Yeah, very. Any 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 sort of like, like quote unquote urban area. Any any place you've heard of, probably right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hampton Hampton Roads, maybe not so much, but um, but yeah, Virginia well, Beach, Norfolk, Hampton Richmond, Roads is where all the chemtrails are. Yeah, exactly. It's, but that's right outside of Virginia Beach, right? So it's really quick. You, 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 it's just like Oregon. You get off, you get out of the Willamette Valley, and it's like instantaneous, like just uh, 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 what's it called? Redneck country. Well, our next story is, um, I'm going to call it uh, not, we'll file this under not the least bit surprising. Like as soon as, as soon as there was a slight downturn in the economy, um, well, the giant Google deal over by the Deardon station seems to be, um, no, not so much anymore. Right. Let's, let's see what the news has to say about this. This is from, Car- this is from Carol. This is the one board. video I could find. I didn't see any other of our locals covering this, um, although it was in all the print media. A significant setback for Silicon Valley. Google no. is cutting ties with Lendlease, the lead developer in a $15 billion project that would have created four major campus projects. And Crown Forest Charles Clifford joins us now live from San Jose with more with what both sides are saying and whether or not these projects have any hope of coming back. Thanks for joining us, Charles. Yeah, good afternoon. Well, Google has worked on this project for years. It is a multi-billion dollar effort, as you mentioned, in four different locations across the South Bay here. And unfortunately today, it seems that that project has suffered a major setback. Lendlease, which is an Australian construction and real estate company, announced that they and Google have decided to end their partnership. The two companies had spent years working on what's called the San Francisco Bay Project, a $15 billion deal to build millions of square feet of retail and residential space spread across four Silicon Valley locations. Downtown West in San Jose, Moffat Park in Sunnyvale, Middlefield Park in Mountain View, and North Bayshore in Mountain View. The project included 15,000 homes, a quarter of which were supposed to be made affordable housing. The project also featured dozens of acres of open space. As for why the deal fell apart, in a statement, Lendley said the existing agreements are no longer mutually beneficial given current market conditions. For its part, Google says they are committed to finishing the project, adding... We've been optimizing our real estate investments in the Bay Area, and part of that work is looking at a variety of options to move our development projects forward and deliver on our housing commitment. We appreciate Lendlease and the work the team has done to get us to this point. 
As we understand it, Google is resetting some of their relationships. On Friday afternoon, <laughs> San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan said that he believes Google, despite this most recent setback, will eventually fulfill its commitments. I'm not privy to what conversations are going on inside the company, but I, I, I you know, our understanding is they're still fully committed to building out the tech campus when the the growth is there, the demand is there, and the time is right to invest in in new commercial development. And y'all got fucked. Right back live now. That is the very latest here in the South Bay. Charles Clifford, Cron 4 News. This is Charles. Thank you. This is like this is why like when these companies want to do this, the city should be like, all right, go ahead if you want. <laughs> Here's the regulations you got to follow. Like they need to like like this this this. Oh well, we're gonna like give you tax incentives and all this shit. Fuck that. Yeah. Well, and the good news the good news is here at least in San Jose in this project that did not happen right they're they're actually not getting any sort of major incentives they have to buy all the land they got to develop it all they got to spend a shit ton of money to do it but they're not getting tax incentives and in fact they were held to a pretty significant i mean compared to other like amazon in new york right um they have a pretty significant community um benefits that they had to provide for like afford well, affordable housing. of course if there's no housing there's no affordable housing um but community space things like that publicly accessible space in the campus thing, things of this nature interconnectivity but uh, boost of you know, funds for transportation and for local nonprofits and community services so you know google is is has signed an agreement with the city um, to provide a lot of those community benefits they've got all the entitlements they need at this point to to develop the campus but um, like Mayor Ed 209 said, you know, when the time is right economically, well, shit, that could be whenever, you know, it, it could never come. And in the meantime, now we're sitting with not just like one vacant parcel because the developer ran out of money or couldn't afford to move forward. Now we're dealing with an entire swath of some of the most lucrative real estate in all of San Jose is <laughs> now going to sit fallow until Google decides to do something with it. It could be being used for much higher purposes than than that um, potentially. So we'll see. Maybe maybe they'll have some largesse, and they'll be able. They will, uh, maybe we can lease out some of that space for um, you know emergency housing or other other ideas, uh, other things they can do with it. But in the meantime, it's just going to be another big big lot. But it's not just one vacant lot. It's now it's like a vacant neighborhood basically, and and uh, that he's missing out on a lot if that space doesn't if that space just sits there. Um. But it's not, you're right, it's not surprising, and it's certainly, um, uh, it's not, it's exactly what you'd expect um, when you, when you throw all in with one company on one thing, right? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> I thought this was a dumb idea from the beginning, and I'm not surprised that it is, <clears throat> as they, they're saying, on hold. Fuck off. Yeah, well, well, tech campuses in general, I think, are just, you know, it, it, it was a, or in conclusion that especially after the pandemic that things were going to change shift quite a bit right and every company is looking at it so you see a lot of these campuses now that have blown up and google's itself like has, has built all, all this campus but now the entire economy has changed so now they, they're going to have vacant spaces already that they've built up in mountain view um so they're they're having to make some serious assessments and i think the state you know should take a look at this and see about exploring other alternatives and, and potentially work with google to find some other alternatives but unfortunately they've signed the deal and it's it is what it is. Um, so, uh, it's, well, and not to mention, not to mention that they also, the city also reduced their, uh, or worked with the FAA to increase, uh, height allowances to, to accommodate the project in the first place, because it is in the flight path, um, of the airport. So there's a lot of work that was done beyond just the benefits and entitlements. Um, so now, but 
And now again, it's not really going to benefit anyone if nothing happens. All right. Well, pres- on, on to our next story. It looks like, uh, first of all, I find it interesting that not only did Shasta have a, uh, a board of supervisors meeting on Halloween, but apparently uh, so did the San Jose City Council. And I'm disappointed that I don't see anybody in a costume. It was every Tuesday. They meet every Tuesday. So it just happened that Halloween fell on a Tuesday. So, uh, uh but yeah, it, this, this story like is this story is about um, quarterly uh, scorecards, which sounds very, 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 very corporate, very, 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 very Matt Mayhan. Let's see what let's see what uh, KTVU has to say about this. Please, I think it's LaMonica. Jose Mayor Matt Mayhan says he wants to take advice from Silicon Valley businesses that surround the city and run it more like a tech company. He's releasing new scorecards like to track the progress of major issues that San Jose is addressing. New at 10 tonight, KTVU's LaMonica Peters live with the initial findings released at this week's city council meeting. LaMonica. The mayor says that it's important to review the progress being made so that adjustments can be made if necessary. And he also believes that these scorecards are going to help the city do just that. On the housing piece, the data we saw is fairly concerning in terms of number of units produced, in terms of us chipping away at our broader housing challenge that we have locally and statewide. On Tuesday, San Jose City officials laid out the data collected and progress made since implementing its focus area scorecard plan in May. Mayor Matt Mayen says the data will provide direction to city leadership as they address major issues. To me, it's all about creating a faster learning cycle, having constant feedback, coming together as a council, looking at actual performance data, and just continuing to evolve our approach. The four key focus areas being monitored or scored are community safety, unsheltered homelessness, clean neighborhoods, and investing in jobs and housing. The city says so far it's taken steps to address homelessness by opening another hotel and RV safe parking site. For every household we house uh, and that exits homelessness, two households become unhoused. I think this statistic um, truly highlights the importance of providing aid to uh, lower uh, income families. The city surveyed 800 residents and found that when it comes to safety in San Jose, 40% of those surveyed think homelessness is the biggest contributor to feeling unsafe and 35% well, if you, say it's for crime the, for, and for who? San Jose says it's recently deployed 78 license plate readers, created a new bail form in Santa Clara County, and more alternative programs are on the way. Whether that's drug treatment, mental health counseling, job training, job placement, get someone on a program and hold them accountable for turning their lives around. The mayor says about 3,000 residents will be surveyed in the first year of scorecards, and he says that it's his hope that San Jose become the safest big city in California. LaMonica Peters, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Like, but San Jose is almost probably like, if it's not the safest big city in California, it's like top three or some shit. Like, what are they talking about? Yeah, I mean, we've been the safest big city in America at some point in the past two. It's it's just uh, in line with his message and narrative um, around safety, cleanliness, you know, basically just sweeping everyone off the streets and putting them somewhere, right? Um, especially those housing-resistant people, the people that need to be held accountable for their own, their own life decisions. Like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just more tech bro shit from the tech bro mayor um, who's... Uh, who thinks that we can 
you know, run San Jose like Google and it's all going to work out. Well, we're look what happened to what's happening to Google. <laughs> well, um, and more to the point, that's interesting that that story came right after the story about how mm-hmm. we, how like not we, but like the city of San Jose was like almost willing to like outsource the, 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 the decisions on housing development to Google, to a big tech correct. firm. And the tech firm, as soon as it was like, they were like, oh, we're, uh, oh, market conditions change. I mean, we got a, we got a, kind of a lot of money in the bank, but we're going to go ahead and hang on to it actually. Yeah, no, and, and even relying on the numbers that Google was going to be bringing to the table to meet the city's goals, right? Like they actually, the city actually adjusted its housing goals in other areas, other um, uh, neighborhoods slash, you know, urban villages slash other areas of, of the city, specifically because they felt they, they were going to get more out of this, you know, um, this deal, the Google deal downtown. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just another, another, uh, another uh, attempt to run government like a business when really government needs to be more run more like a nonprofit, but we can get into that in another, another down ballot because we are pushing up on uh, nine o'clock tonight, but um, yeah, more, more to come there for sure. Um, we'll, we'll continue to follow the keep the key performance metrics of the mayor there. And uh, I really want to, I, I actually need to dig into this and see what, how they quantify cleanliness, right? <laughs> like they talk about a clean city. Clean city is kind of an oxymoron to me. Like that's, just doesn't happen it's a city it's going to be dirty sorry um but what, what does cleanliness mean right does that mean the skeevy homeless people there that you can see on the street or does it mean like you know sweeping the streets and actually getting little literal trash off the street or you know what what exactly does that mean may or may i, w- I would like to know what, what cleanliness means to you so Maybe we, we got a, on down ballot we got the for, what's what's the former mayor of san jose been up to well, um, he's running for Congress or thinks he's running for Congress um, and has said he's running for Congress, but uh, he's uh, not a big fan of PG&E, never has been. Um, he's always been a proponent of municipal, San Jose having his own municipal power utility. Um, and now that he's out of office and PG&E is still behaving like a bunch of dicks, um, he has decided to uh, use this opportunity to further his own political career by assembling a coalition to oppose rate hikes because obviously everyone hates energy rate hikes everyone hates pg&e so he's putting trying to put himself into a more favorable light especially with um labor unions and and working people who he uh sparred with quite a bit as mayor so we're going to find out more about a coalition he's building to go after pg&e so with higher bills on the horizon calls are getting louder for more transparency our katie nelson introduces us to a newly formed group bringing leaders from all different sectors together to actually push back against pg&e PG&E is no stranger to controversy, and that includes the latest proposal for rate hikes, something that is going to be decided here at the CPUC. That's why a number of groups came together today to protest. When do we want it? Now! What do we want? Fair rates! When do we want it? Now! Dozens of people representing various organizations showed up at the California Public Utilities Commission building to demand more transparency and accountability from PG&E. We want to know where the money's coming from and how much they're spending. And we deserve to know. This newly formed group called FAIR is the umbrella organization representing housing advocates, business leaders, labor unions, and environmental groups who are all coming together to push back against the utility giant. They say PG&E is such a massive political force, it's been able to push through rate increases without being transparent about where and how the money is being spent, which in turn hurts rate payers, including small businesses. I'm paying about $1,000 a month in both, between both stores and electricity. 
This is Lucas Schulte. He and his wife, Wendy, own Good Common Sense Naturals. They make and sell organic body and bath products. He worries not only about how a rate hike will impact their business, but also impact their customers. Electric bill goes up for us. It's not just going to go up for us. It's going to go up for the consumer, too, which means they're going to have less money to come in the store. Plus, you're charging more because of electricity. It's just going to... It's a true. I mean, it's basically it's gonna be a double whammy. Really and you sell luxury items. They have two Sorry. Locations, one in Pleasanton and one store here in Danville, where he says the business has been forced to close more than half a dozen times in the last six months due to unexplained and unexpected power outages, often on weekends, their busiest days. I was very tempted to try figuring out how to tell PG&E that hey, you gotta owe me. I'm taking this out of my my bill. <laughs> the percentage of profit I lost. In a statement, PG&E defended the proposed rate increases, saying investing in our system to make it more climate resilient and decarbonized will make it safer and cleaner. So the CPUC was supposed to make a decision tomorrow about the proposed rate hikes, but late today announced commissioners need two more weeks to weigh all of the options. So it may surprise you we are actually doing better than the southern part of the state. According to the CPUC, Southern California Edison and San Diego Gas and Electric raised their customers' rates by 44 and 35 percent respectively over the last three years. Okay. Yeah. It's happening. The, the biggest part here is, I mean, we, we all know about uh, what PG&E is up to, but it's actually the more interesting piece here from the local level is that Sam Licardo is siding up with uh, Carpenters Union and some other, uh, some other uh, locals uh, to uh, go after PG&E. And it's caused a sort of a rift within the local labor council where they're coming out and saying, well, we don't trust Licardo and this is this is all BS and he's he's uh, carpet bagging and, and uh, uh, astroturfing. Um, but he's astroturfing with some of their own locals who um he basically attacked and and went after um during uh, the uh, pension reform uh, issue maybe a uh, good 10 12 years ago when he was mayor so um or before he was mayor even so th- this is a very interesting political gamesmanship from him um and we'll see if it, it pays off but he sam's basically flailing around trying to find something to keep him relevant so that he can eventually run for Congress when Joe Lofgren retires because there's no chance he's beating her anytime soon. Um, but yeah, he's, ho- he's hoping, he's hoping for a life after, after mayorship, but it might be a while. Cool. Well, we're going to move on to this week in vehicle versus structure. Uh, yes. it looks like, it looks like this is in Oakland. Let's see what happened. Noon, noon, a car crashing into a building in Oakland this morning. It happened at a chicken wing restaurant on International Boulevard. Oh, that sucks. I bet that was a good-ass chicken wing restaurant. Right? It's got a nice mural in it. We have reached out to Oakland police and are waiting to find out more details about exactly what happened here. Oh, it looks like both the car and the structure lost. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if we can... It might be a draw on this one. Um, And I I think the neighborhood really lost if this place had to close down for a little while because it looks like a pretty damn good establishment and probably well-frequented by the neighborhood. So... Sad, sad for everyone. Um, this was not the only vehicle versus structure story out there again this week, but um, uh, keep them coming, folks. <laughs> we love to cover it on Dambo. We love to see it. Yeah, this is usually there's like a clear winner, but it looks like the car got fucked up and so did the building. Yeah, I think they're both they're both going to come out of this a little a little scathed, as it were. So um, so yeah, we'll we'll, talk, we'll call this one a draw. I, we I should actually go back. We can we can review and we can tra- start to keep score. Uh, we can keep our own scorecard, Mayor Mahan, uh, about, about vehicle versus structure. I think generally speaking, structures have won. I want to say. Yeah, um, yeah, we'd have to actually anyway. We'll we'll talk about that off air sometime. We'll tally it. Some we'll, we'll go to burgers and tally it later. But um, this is a story you found to, for another thing. So uh, wrapping up tonight. Um, 
Aliens. 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 It's a million dollar search for signs of intelligent life in the universe through ring doorbell cams? Here's one submission after the ring company offered a cool million to any customer who could prove with doorbell cam footage that aliens exist. There are so many that I've seen that have just been incredibly creative and fun. The reward is tongue-in-cheek, and so are the submissions. This so-called alien seems to be after the Halloween candy. Then he comes after the Earthling. Turns out, he's just looking for a new helmet. <laughs> and this alien is apparently eager to prove he comes in peace. His sign reads, I've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Is anyone home? I can't tell. I think there's a guy in there eating a sandwich. Some submissions, frankly, didn't show a great deal of effort or resources. I'm scared. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And this could be better equipped, considering his journey from so many light years away. anyone win the million dollars we have gotten uh, a number of submissions that our expert uh is reviewing so we haven't awarded the prize <laughs> that was great i know that's, that's not really a bay area story but i think ring is a bay area company so we'll we'll give them an alien mulligan for that we'll allow it we'll allow it great great find there gotta love it um i don't know if the contest is still open but you know get your submissions in now Maybe plan ahead for next year too. They'll up it to two million. I would never talk about whether or not there are cameras anywhere in my domicile. So uh, I couldn't true. tell you if I have a ring system or not. We we do have the ring. Um, it gets a little bit annoying when the uh, uh, the bush outside of our house catches a breeze and triggers the motion sensor that then buzzes my watch um, when I'm like you know many many miles away. It's really upsetting. Um, I I don't like that kind of stress. I'd rather just you know leave it. If someone wants to break in, steal all your shit, you can have it. Turns out someone in chat found the link to my toilet cam, so that's not great. <laughs> I have a bidet cam. It's kind of <laughs> oh, that's even, really oh god. <laughs> gets really interesting. Um, oh man, it's waterproof. It's waterproof. Uh, does it have a wind? Oh, I'm not even gonna. Does it have? Does the bidet cam have its own bidet? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It needs it needs it right. It needs 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 a uh, clean it off every now and then. Um, well. Thank you once again, Producer Dave, for a fine week of, of down ballot. Two weeks, actually. That's why we, we've gone so long tonight. Yeah, we are we are a little bit over, and um, I got a pee, so if you don't mind closing out the show. Hell no. Uh, thank you very much, listener and viewer, for joining us. Um, please uh, tune in to twitch.tv.echoplexmedia every Tuesday night at 7.30, except when we're not here. Um, and uh, we really hope that you get masked, get vaxxed, but pants, as always, are optional. We're going to listen to some audible smoke and go on to public comment. Please stay tuned for all the wonderful content that Producer Dave produces, and peace out. <laughs> to get the party started.
party. Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling. Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar. And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are. Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet. It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink. I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens. Here at the front of the stage, waiting for FTV. Where are those guys who's standing next to me with a pipe in his hand, ready to blaze for me? About five minutes later, we're all singing Queen. Now get the fuck up on stage, man, like the scene. Yeah, we do what we want. And what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car. To smoke another one, what? and another one Woo! Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the bill for the show tonight. It's down and dirty and five, so we're headed outside. To spark up another joint. Now who's got my light? A stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the US economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of rockin' me Rockin' the rollie or the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck but I'll probably do it sloppily We do what we want What we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Jam, so sit back and enjoy the band.
Echoplex has a 24-hour stream? That's right. Check out our 24-7 music stream at ecoplexmedia.com live or at eplex.xyz. Our huge self-submitted local music library plays the best tunes the Bay Area has to offer, ad and commercial free, well, except for ours, and even by request. Check out the player on ecoplexmedia.com or at eplex.xyz. Bookmark it and enjoy it all day. Ecoplex is very supportive of our local music scene, and we hope you enjoy the soundtrack they've so graciously sent in for us to play on our network. If you like who you hear, please go check them out. The names of the artists are displayed on the player at ecoplexmedia.com and at eplex.xyz.